This is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edwards. Hi, and welcome to Show Notes, the podcast for performers. I'm your host, Emily Edmonds, and this is an episode that is really close to my heart. Um, it's about the things that can go wrong with our voices. Um, it's really close to my heart because I think there's a lot of misinformation about this. There's a lot of disempowerment. There's a lot of fear. Um, I think this information can be not weaponized, but it can be a little bit, um, dangerously bandied about, you know, I've heard people say to me or to colleagues, you know, um, well, such and such happened because such and such did this, or, you know, um, if you do this, this will happen. I just, I just don't think that is, that is not safe dialogue and it is not informed dialogue. And, um, it's not the kind of fearful conversation that we should be having around a really vital aspect of our being as, um, professional performers, which is our voice, um, Again, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but if we were athletes, there wouldn't be this level of taboo around vocal health and um, we would be informed. We would understand the things that might go wrong. You know, if a if a, an athlete hurts their knee, they know who to go. They're like, that's the knee guy. Go to the knee guy. You know, I just, I don't think there's that level of dialogue around um around vocal health for performers and I really want to be a part of changing that and I really admire a lot of people that are part of changing that um but my contribution to that um amongst other things is this episode um where I really sat it is it is um I say it's an uncomfortable conversation it's not an uncomfortable conversation it's it can be confronting to face this stuff I remember when um I was at Covent Garden and a a vocal health professional, I think it was an ENT, came in and said, look, these are all the things that can go wrong with the voice. And I remember, um, again, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the judgment I held about that, you know, well, that only happens to these kind of people or that's never going to happen to me. I'm going to tune out or God, that looks so horrific. How would you ever recover from that? You know, and life and time has taught me otherwise. And I've, I've witnessed so many people, um, I guess so many people have made it clear to me that that was a fear judgment and that it's just not the truth. And I would really encourage you if that's your opinion to, um, to stick through this episode and to really keep open ears and an open heart. Um, I hope you never need this information, but in the case that you do, I want you to be informed and I want you to be empowered and I want you to know that it is all going to be okay. Um, and even if the worst case scenario, it won't okay, that you will be okay that you fundamentally, as a human being, you are more than your voice, you are more than your performance, you are more than your artistic output as a performer. I believe you must express that creative part of yourself, but I promise you, you will find a way to do that. Um, and through this episode, I just want you to know um, the information that you need to know. I want you to feel less fear. You're going to feel fear. If you're at this point and you are experiencing something or you have experienced something or you know, future you might experience something and remember what you've heard in this episode or loop back to this episode. You know, there's going to be fear. Of course, there's going to be fear, but I want to take away as much of that as possible for you and replace it with really high level information 
high level conversation and feeling like um feeling like there's something out there for you um and that there's a a little seed of hope so in this episode um again disclaimer this does not stand in for a medical um consult this is not medical advice this is conversation with a high level medical expert but it is not a medical consult so i just want you to bear that in mind if you are feeling like you're really at crisis point or you're worried that something is wrong um i really encourage you to find someone that you trust by asking around um i've mentioned this before but ask around ask companies ask friends um and just go and get to someone you trust get a second opinion get a third opinion um, whatever you need to feel supported and like you're seen and heard. If you feel like you're not seen and heard, you're probably not seen and heard. So find someone that makes you feel seen and heard. Um, but just, yeah, get to someone, get to someone medically. I mean, listen to this on the way to the appointment if you must. Um, but, uh, yeah, do get to someone. Um, this doesn't stand in for medical advice. But in today's episode and what I hope to really empower you with and help you bring on board is um, an understanding of what can actually go wrong step by step We're going to go through all the things that might go wrong and how that might play out. So we're going to talk about scary words, I know, but we need to start bringing the languaging um, to it and remove the shame and the fear. But things like polyps, um, hemorrhage, sulcus, um, all those kinds of things we chat about. Uh, We chat about potential causes and the way that we beat ourselves up, um, the stigma and taboo uh, around this and changing that. Um, We walk through in a really literal sense if you have to have surgery, then what what to expect on the day of surgery? What's that going to look like? What's actually going to happen? I think the more that um, this can be a known known instead of a kind of known unknown, you know, um, I think I think the better. So we talk about that. We talk about recovery times. Um, what does a recovery period look like? Um, how you know is there a change in improvement over time outside that recovery period? Um, we talk about the big question, is it the end of when I get a challenging diagnosis? And I really love Declan's response to this. Um, we talk about vocal rest, uh, and we talk about, um, kind of any other, um, factors like medications that we need to be aware of, um, when it comes to these things, um, things that can go wrong. As I said, I'm really passionate about this episode, um, and I hope that it it helps you feel informed and supported. Stick with it if it makes you feel a bit sick in the stomach because you are going to be stronger after this episode. You're going to be more informed. As I said, I hope you never have to use this information. But if you do, you're going to be strong. You are a warrior and I believe in you. So let's get stuck into it. I'd love to spend some time talking about the things that can go wrong with voices in a pretty serious way. I think there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of stigma around these things. I personally believe the more facts we have, the more information, the more empowered we are so that if we do fear something's gone wrong, we're not completely in the dark as to what, you know, the next six weeks, six months, six years might hold for us. Could we spend a bit of time talking about the things that might really go wrong with voices. Sure. I mean, I guess the first thing to say and the most important thing is that in probably nine out of ten singers who come through my clinic, there is not a single surgical 
problem that needs something radical doing to it. The vast majority of singers who come through um, have a, a bunch of things that might be going subtly wrong, but no single kind of killer blow that's really problematic. So if you do come to see an ENT or a laryngologist, the likelihood is that you'll be given some advice about looking after your voice, uh, about seeing your singing teacher, about how to tidy up um, how it looks. But the, there's almost certainly not going to be something really very significant going on. But if you see a laryngologist and they say, actually, do you know what? There is a thing on your vocal cord and we're going to need to deal with that. Then it depends on the nature of the thing in a way. Um, uh, there are uh, there's a variety of things that can go wrong with the larynxes of singers, um, and maybe I'll just go through each of those kind right. of step by step. Uh, I guess the most common lesion that I see, the most common thing wrong with vocal cords that I see, is a polyp, which is a little isolated swelling, usually two or three millimeters in size, which is a little. Uh, blip a little it almost looks like a blister on the edge of the vocal cord that pops up and that usually comes up as a sudden thing middle of a rehearsal or a big cough or whatever else it's a single thing the singer goes "Ooh, that's not right and it remains not right until they've seen an ENT now if it's a simple isolated polyp then usually an operation to remove that will work 99 times out of 100 and they will go back to where they started from so that's a surgically speaking that's a relatively straightforward thing to deal with there are other things that can go wrong um, a, a hemorrhage into the vocal cord is where a, a, a blood vessel within the surface of the vocal cord leaks and causes a bruise that spreads along the whole length of the vocal cord and when you look down at the larynx you see this black and blue um, vocal cord it looks just like a, a long bruise. Now that's a really difficult situation because we w what you want to happen is for the bruise to go away and you want the vocal cord to heal up without any scarring um, and so that it maintains in the long term its pliability and it's nice and supple. The advice from most of us, I think, uh, as laryngologists would be that you should completely rest the voice in that situation to give the best possible chance of the hemorrhage dissipating without there being any scar. We don't actually have any evidence that that is the best thing to do, but that's certainly what most of us would suggest, I think. And the trouble is then that you, so you watch this hemorrhage resolve over the course of a few weeks and is there a blood vessel that popped that you can see that you need to treat? So, for example, do you need to laser that blood vessel? You might very well do. Um, and so if a, if, a, if a singer has a hemorrhage, they're going to have a period of several weeks where you watch the hemorrhage resolve. You may then decide that they're going to need an operation. They're going to have the operation, then there's going to be a few weeks or even months of recuperation after that. So a vocal fold hemorrhage is potentially meaning that somebody is out of commission singing-wise for a number of months. So a hemorrhage is significantly problematic and, and that's the, the voice rest thing I think is important there. Um, other things that can happen are um, really subtle uh, pits and troughs within the vocal cord, a so-called sulcus, where the, the, the lining of the vocal cord becomes tethered onto the underlying ligament. And that can mean that at specific points on the vocal cord, the pliability and the suppleness is lost. So rather than it being nice and flexible and soft, you end up with a scarred bit of the vocal cord. From a surgical point of view, that is quite a difficult problem to unpick because you have to 
uh, and different surgeons treat this in different ways, but most of us would make a cut in the upper surface of the vocal cord, lift up the stuck down lining, which is quite fiddly in and of itself, and then try in some way or other to prevent that re adhering and re-sticking so surgically that's quite a difficult thing to to achieve and and the the uh, the recovery period from that kind of surgery is over the space of months rather than weeks so there's, there's a number of different things that can um, that can go wrong that require surgery um, and in all of these instances it's important that a singer is working with a a voice coach and often with a speech and language therapist as well to address how they're using their speaking voices as well as how they're using their singing voices. I have a few questions around those things. Can those things be happening at the same time? Can multiple of those things be happening? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can. Um, and that's why uh, it's sometimes useful for as a, as a laryngologist it's sometimes useful to say okay well the, this is quite a complex picture I want to tidy up this larynx with reducing inflammation in this way and that way and the other way see you again in a few weeks and see what things look like and then it may become clear that this is actually a sulcus with a little polypoid area of swelling as well or actually okay well I can now see a prominent blood vessel that we're going to need to zap with a laser so yeah there can be a number of different things going on at once and sometimes uh, you end up doing quite a complex operation where you're removing a bit of uh, epithelium here, you're zapping a, a, a blood vessel, you're elevating some other epithelium to deal with scarring. So sometimes they can be quite complicated, yeah. What is the scarring that happens? You know, you mentioned as a result of a hemorrhage. Is that does it, is the scarring essentially a sulcus? Um, in a sense, yeah. I mean, a, a, a sulcus is a uh, an area where the, the epithelium has got stuck down onto the underlying ligament, and usually at a specific spot. The concern with a hemorrhage is that, obviously, if the hemorrhage has spread throughout the whole layer of the vocal cord, in a worst-case scenario, one could imagine that the whole epithelium might stick down onto the ligament, and then you end up with a totally rigid, non-vibrating vocal cord, very stiff, and that's really problematic. Um, uh, as far as the voice is concerned. But again, because we don't really know what the natural history of these hemorrhages is, we don't know whether that would be a long-term consequence anyway. That brings me to ask about the causes of some of these things. Are any causes known for these things? I think it's really important that singers don't beat themselves up, you know, because there's, there's a thing, you know, if you've got a vocal pathology... Um, the, the, the natural instinct of a singer is to say, oh, what on earth have I done to myself? This is awful. It must be some horrendous failing in me. And the truth is that actually people with the best techniques in the world can run into problems. Um, that said, if you can avoid things that are obviously vocally abusive, yelling, screaming, shouting when you've got a sore throat, that sort of thing, then that, that's clearly for the best. But, um, you know, I've known immensely well-trained singers who are teachers highly respected teachers themselves running into pathological problems with their vocal cords so it's not that you are you should blame yourself necessarily that there is uh, a problem in your larynx it happens it happens to the best of people and it happens to people who haven't got such good technique it's important that if you are going to need surgery for your larynx that you're post-operatively that you're optimizing how you're using your voice in all of the different ways you use it yeah, but but it just don't don't beat yourself up. Yeah, because I think there is such a stigma around these things, and 
people are afraid so they want to blame something or someone and I just you know we don't blame sports people for getting injured we don't blame their coaches we we applaud them when they run back on the field at the start of the next season why does this stigma still exist yeah it's really difficult isn't it and I think I think there's a number of different things um it's partly because you know if you're Andy Murray uh you're you know, you, you've you've hit the peak of your career, and uh, you, you've, in a sense, you've nothing to lose. But actually, if you're a, a relatively uh, younger opera singer, uh, it, there is a concern maybe within those singers that if they, uh, if there is a problem, kind of word gets out, and then oh, well, maybe they're not so relaxed. Do you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. suddenly, there's a. The, the, but you're right. I think the stigma around it is really unfortunate, and I think conversations about things that have gone wrong, and and open conversations amongst singers about the problems they've had, who they've seen, and how it was dealt with, and then the positive stories about moving on and actually life going back to normal. I think are really very helpful. Yeah, and I think so that singers can kind of. In, in having discussion about, you know, this is what happened to me or this is what worked for me or this guy was great for this, just as I imagine sports people discuss, oh, this guy's really good for um, knee reconstructions. You know, mm-hmm. when we begin to discuss these things, we empower ourselves and we can, as a cultural collective, improve our, our approach to these things. Just to return back to um, the surgery uh, kind of aspect of things, two questions I had in regards to that. Number one, what should someone expect when they go in for surgery kind of on that day? What's going to happen? You know, what's it going to feel like? What's it going to look like? And um, the second question was about the recovery time. So you mentioned kind of different recovery times for different things. um, And I wonder whether recovery time extends beyond, great, you're physically okay. You know, does it take a little while to to actually feel back on the top of your game again? but we'll start with the first question first. Question first. <laughs> so the process of having an operation on the vocal cords um, involves, obviously, you having a general anaesthetic, so you're fast asleep and don't know anything about what's going on. Almost all of these operations are done as day cases, so you're in and out of hospital in a day. And they generally take 45 minutes to an hour or so to do, depending on what the nature of the surgery is, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, the operations are done through the mouth, so there are no cuts in the skin on the outside. And um, we use a, a tube to hold the mouth open called a laryngoscope, and then we look down the laryngoscope using a microscope uh, and long instruments to, to prod and poke and remove and this and that, and sometimes use lasers as well. Um, from a patient's point of view, you would go into hospital, you'd meet the surgeon, you'd meet the anaesthetist, you'd be taken up to the anaesthetic room or to the, the uh, operating room and drifted off to sleep. And the next thing you would know is when you're waking up in the recovery area, having an operation on your vocal cords is generally not enormously painful normally some paracetamol will take care of things sometimes a bit more painful some some patients say they have no pain at all um, and uh, you would then go home the same day um, in terms of the recovery period post-operatively all voice surgeons would recommend a period of total voice rest uh, by which we mean no humming, no whispering, no talking, no gesturing, no nothing. And actually some recent papers have suggested that you shouldn't even be imagining music because actually in imagining music you are kind of vocally rehearsing it and you're moving the muscles of the larynx, so even that is out. And different surgeons recommend different 
lengths of time for this absolute voice rest. Some people say two days, which is what I do. Some people say five days. Some people say two weeks of total voice rest. It, and I think it's important just to have that conversation with the surgeon beforehand. So that's the initial thing. And then probably at about the two-week stage, you'll go and see your surgeon and they'll have a look in the outpatients department uh, with an endoscope and see how the vocal cords are healing. Um, and it'll depend a little bit on the nature of what's been done to your vocal cord as to what will happen after that. Now, if you've had a simple, quote-unquote, polyp removed, then you may very well be able to get back into singing really quite quickly, like by the sort of four or six week stage post-operatively because those are relatively simple little blemishes on the edges of the vocal cords and the vocal cords will then heal up pretty well and you'll be able to go back to singing quite quickly. In the situation where you've had a more extensive exploration of the undersurfaces or the, or the inner surfaces of the vocal cords, that is a situation where the healing process is going to take longer and we're probably talking about weeks into months for that. Now it's probably okay to start singing and start gently using the voice at the kind of four to six week stage, that's fine, but don't, in the situation where you've had a detailed exploration of the inside of the vocal cord, don't expect that you're going to go back to your normal singing six weeks post-op and then you're going to be up and flying. It's probably going to take a number of months for the pliability and the suppleness of the vocal cord to come back. So that, that discussion with the surgeon about exactly what they've done and exactly what you can expect in the next few months is really important. And will the voice continue to change and improve over the next, you know, say that tick, tick, you've ticked every box, it's great now. You know, you mentioned building up the playability, um, perhaps building up the, um, I guess, kind of resilience and, and muscle strength or whatever. Will we continue to see vocal changes you know, in the next six to 12 months after that? Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, yes, you will, um, partly because of ongoing subtle changes around how the vocal fold itself is healing, but also because your way of using the voice is going to change. You will have spent months or even years working around an abnormality of your larynx. And as a consequence of that, you'll be holding yourself in a certain way and unpicking those muscular problems, for want of a better word, is is really important and that takes much longer often than the actual dealing with the underlying problem itself. Uh, and that's where I think that, you know, speech therapy to address any over energetic use of the speaking voice and, and working with a singing teacher to work on uh, optimal singing voice production is really important as well. Great. And so say that we do get a challenging diagnosis is it the end of? Is it great? You know, you're never going to sing again. In most cases, is it is it end of? No. I mean, I've never been in a situation where I've looked at a larynx and said, well, that's it. That's the end of your singing career. It's just simply not the case that that happens unless, you know, somebody's taken a machete to your larynx. <laughs> um, so, um, no, the, the um, almost all problems are dealable with and um handled carefully the vast majority of singers will go back to doing what they were doing before it's going to take time and I think it's important for clinicians to explain to patients that this is not going to be a quick fix and that you know the next six months are going to be quite difficult and you're going to have to readjust things and be realistic about that um, but there is almost uh, nothing that is career ending put it that way uh, the last question I have is just around vocal rest, um, kind of on a regular basis. You know, you mentioned 
in our conversation that maybe complete vocal rest is not a great idea. Um, what's your perspective on vocal rest for professional voice users on a weekly basis? I think that um, it's n- um, n- very rarely necessary to completely rest the voice. I would say that after surgery, you should rest it. Uh, if you've got that situation of there being a vocal cord hemorrhage, that mandates absolute voice rest. But there are very few other situations in which I would say that you need to totally rest your voice. I think it's more important in many ways, if you've got a cold or a sore throat or if it doesn't feel quite right, I think it's more important in many ways to keep the voice stretching and just to keep the flexibility in it so that you, you know, if you go for two weeks without using your voice, gosh, it's going to take you a long time to get mm-hmm. back to the kind of muscular memory of where you want to be. I think it's more important that you're just, you know, mm, gentle pitch glides and things just to keep the, the muscles um, functioning and stretching. Uh, very rarely is total voice rest needed. You are absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, I guess a, a tiny, tiny little question at the end is, are there any medications we should be aware of or avoiding as professional voice users? I think that any medication should be taken if there is a good enough reason to be taking it. And by that I mean if you're on uh, medicine to control your rheumatoid arthritis, if that's an immunosuppressant medication, but if that's controlling your joint movements, then that's clearly very important. But as I was saying with the asthma inhalers, if you've not had your asthma reviewed for the last five years, and you don't need to be on the medication, then don't. Uh, I'm I'm sort of a believer in not taking things unless they really are absolutely necessary. There, there are certain things that are potentially deleterious to the voice, but on the other hand, they might be so overwhelmingly necessary for whatever medical condition you've got that actually you really do have to have them. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, I am so passionate about delivering this content um, to people and helping people to feel, um, I guess, informed and uh, hopeful and less daunted and less fearful and less controlled um, by the fear of um, by the fear of these things. So I really hope that this episode has been that for you. Um, and I just again want to reiterate. You are a warrior. You can do this. Whatever you're going through or whatever you might go through in the future, uh, there is a place for you here and you are not alone in this journey. And so many have been through um, the journey that you're going through. And I promise you that you fundamentally as a human being are going to be okay. And you have so much to offer the world and take the time to get informed, to get supported um, and take the time you need to nourish and heal and recover whether it be now or in the future, but I just I just hope that my words um, can stay with you as a little bit of a beacon in the darkness, if that's what you are experiencing or do experience. Um, if this has been helpful for you, as ever, please uh, give us a five-star rating on um, your preferred podcast platform. It really does help. Um, it helps people find us. It helps people um, see what we do. It helps us kind of pop up um, as um as a as a podcast um that is kind of i guess worth listening to so um if you believe in the content that we're delivering please give us um that rating and review and um you can also uh be part of our community and the ongoing conversation by um going to our instagram at show notes the podcast 
and uh, heading over to our website. We also have other resources and blogs and links to stuff there um, and anything included in show notes as well, any links to that. Um, stuff um, but our website is shownotesthepodcast.com and you can sign up for our newsletter there I don't know if I've mentioned that um, and yeah I look forward to um, continuing to have these conversations with you um, tell friends about it if this um, has helped you or if you know someone that's going through this stuff I think that's really important um, yeah just kind of uh, get it out to them as a resource and um, I really want uh, people to feel supported so I look forward to seeing you next time you